Okay, as we said, we are here at Mount Carmel, and um, we're going to be reading in 1 Kings 18 and talking about it a few minutes. We're going to begin in verse 16. We're going to begin in verse 16. Um, in this day and age, we have um, Elijah, the country is basically turned their back on God. They're serving Baal. You have evil King Ahab and Jezebel ruling. You have the prophets of of Israel, the true prophets of God are hiding out in caves. And you have Elijah that has prayed that there be no rain and so forth. And so now we're coming to 1 Kings 18 where he's going to challenge the prophets of Baal. In verse 16 it says, So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Ahab did not like Elijah because Elijah stopped the rain and there was such a severe drought that Ahab's cattle were going were to die. Everything was dying. And so in verse 18 or 17, he calls him a troubler of Israel. Verse 18, he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, right here. This is where this story takes place. The 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah called, came to all the people and said, How long will your father, will you falter, excuse me, between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The people answered him not a word. And I, I think that this is a good message just as I kind of get into this for us today in America. You know, is God God or not? And that's a question that we've got to answer for our own lives. Now, while all of us may profess Jesus to be Lord and Savior and we may live for him, there's always times in our life where God is going to ask us, am I God or not? So when you get ready to write out a tithe check to God, is he God or not? When you get a, a, a report from the doctor, is he God that still heals or not? When your loved one is not serving God and you're praying and wondering, will they ever come to God? Is he God or not? And that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Is he going to be God or not? So verse 21, uh, or verse 22, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, he may have been the only prophet present, but God told him, hey, we've got 7,000 that I've hidden out that you don't even know about that haven't knelt to him. Sometimes the enemy will make you feel like you're the only one standing for God. But I assure you, you're not. God has an army of people that are standing for righteousness in him. So verse 23, Therefore let us give two bulls, let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well. I love it. He's challenging them. We're going to see who the real God is here. Verse 25. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves, prepare it first for you are many, and call on the name of your God, and put no fire under it. 
So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon. Before I even get to that, they're going crazy. They're trying to call on these false gods to answer them and they're leaping and they're, they're like lunatics. So verse 27 is, it's, these are the next couple verses are to me some of the most funny verses in the entire Bible. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he's meditating or he's busy or he's on a journey, he went on vacation or perhaps he's sleeping and being, needs to be wakened up. In other words, your God's sleeping, he's on a journey, I don't know, maybe he's on the toilet. That was in the new, the new Bible, yeah. the new paraphrases. I was gonna yeah, <laughs> perhaps he's relieving himself. I love it. I just love it. And so you, it's just, I mean, he's mocking them. They've been praying for three hours. Nothing's happened. I, I just love it. When they do that, verse 28, so they cried out aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and, and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Let me just stop right here for a second. Anytime you find people in the Bible cutting themselves, it is always demonic influence every single time. There's a bad trend going on in America right now where kids are cutting themselves. It is demonic in nature every single time. The man that was full of demons in Gadara in Mark 5, the Bible says he was cutting himself. It is always demonic influence. Verse 29, And when midday had passed, the prophets, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That's till three in the afternoon. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. So they're running around like lunatics. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The first thing he did was said, we're gonna fix the altar of God first. And the first thing that we always need to do in our lives is fix the altar of God in our hearts. And we do that by repentance. God, I was wrong here. I ask you to forgive me. Let the altar of my heart be right before you. Perhaps when we pray in a minute, maybe there's a, a time of prayer that we'll have where you can say, hey, God, if there's anything wrong with the altar of my heart to you, if there's pride there, if there's jealousy there, if there's things there that I don't even realize, God, I want you to get rid of that. I want my, the altar of my heart to be pure before you. I want it to be right. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. So he's reminding God of the covenant of Israel. Verse 32, then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus for us. There is no name like the name of Jesus. And he made a trench about the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, Fill your water pots with water and pour on the, the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, Do it a third time. And he did it a third time. And they did it the third time. Verse 35, So the water ran around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, before I even get there, what they would do in those days is they would trick people. 
they would put a, a sacrifice on an altar and put wood and they would say, we're going to call down fire and somebody would be underneath it and they would light the fire and trick people into believing that God, quote unquote, had set the fire. What Elijah was doing here was he was saying, when God sends this fire, you're going to know it's God because I'm going to fill the whole trench with water. I'm going to fill the sacrifice. with. In other words, there can't be anybody underneath that's going to light it on fire. This is going to be God. There'll be no mistake. So verse 36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, about three in the afternoon, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. So let me just stop right there. These prophets of Baal pray from morning till evening, about nine in the morning till three in the afternoon, roughly or so, about six hours. He prays a 63-word prayer. 63 words. I want you to notice something here. You don't always have to make a big, elaborate prayer to get God's attention. You don't always have to make this big, long, extravagant prayer. Sometimes the greatest prayers are like Simon Peter when he was sinking in water, and we'll talk about that when we get to the Sea of Galilee, and he just simply said, Lord, save me. A true heartfelt prayer will get God's attention. 63-word prayer. In verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. That was a true miracle from God. And brothers and sisters, that happened right here on this mountain. So let me go on. When they, in verse 39, then when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. You know, when the thief was on the cross and uh, he was dying, he said a simple uh, few words prayer that got Jesus' attention, nine words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it was Jesus that said, assuredly, you'll be today with me in paradise. Don't get in the habit of thinking that praying long, 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 long prayers means that that equates to getting God's attention. What God wants is a heartfelt prayer that gets his attention, just like with Elijah here. So he answers by prayer, and everyone cries out that this was the one true God. Notice here, when fire licked up all the water and consumed it, everybody then said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Sometimes people are waiting for a man or a woman of God to make a stand for God. There are people in America, they're waiting for men and women like you and I to make a stand to say he is the true God. And I know there's a lot of debate and all this going on in America right now, but we need to be the people of God that says, no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Your radical stance for God, like Elijah, may turn everyone around you back to God. It may turn their hearts back to God. So then in verse 40, Elijah says to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. You see all the way at the bottom of the hill where the brook Kishon was, or the river Kishon. That's where he took them. This is a type of us completely destroying idolatry from our hearts and lives. This is a type and shadow of us saying, God, I'm not going to have any God before you in my heart. 
I'm not going to put money before you. I'm not going to put relationships before you. I'm not going to put work before you. You're going to be the number one person in my heart, in my life. You're the true God. You're going to reign in my heart. Everything else is going to take a backseat. And that is a challenge for us today. Will he be the true God of our hearts? So verse 41, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Sometimes you just got to prophesy that something in the future is going to happen. Calling those things would be not as though they were. Believing God for my answer. Proclaiming the answer before I ever actually receive it. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel right here. Then he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees and began to pray. And he said in verse 43 to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea, and went up and looked, and he said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Verse 44. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So the Mediterranean Sea is that way. And he sees the, a cloud the size of a man's hand. I, I, I want to just point out to you something that's, that's really neat here. Um, your answer to prayer may not look like much. It may look like a cloud the size of a man's hand. But God can turn a cloud the size of a man's hand into a torrential downpour. Do not think that just because you've prayed a prayer that maybe just a little portion of it is answered and you're still waiting on the other 99%, that 1% is God telling you it's, gonna, it's happening. When God begins to trickle, it'll turn into a raging river of answered prayer in your life. Do not despise the small beginnings. Something that looks insignificant in your life may turn into the abundance of rain in your life that you're praying and believing God for. Does that make sense? So he says, go up to verse 44. He says, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go down, go up to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. I love the faith that he has here. He basically says, hey, it's here. I know it looks like not much now, but it's going to getting ready to turn into something amazing. That's what's getting ready to happen in our church. Amen. Prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. I love this. Just as quick as it seems like nothing's happening, God can answer whatever prayers it is that you have just like that. So quickly. It can build and you'll stand around and you'll be amazed and you'll say, wow, look what God has done. And verse 46 is an amazing verse in the Bible. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Another supernatural feat that is unexplainable. You all saw with your own eyes how far it is across that valley. Yet Ahab was being driven by horses on a chariot and the Bible says, supernaturally, Elijah outran him across that valley. It was another statement of, hey, he is the one true God. In this story of, of Elijah, he, God made it so clear, I am the Lord God. So I have a question for you today. Is he the Lord God of your heart? Is he truly number one in your life? Do you have other things that need to be burned out, so to speak? Because when he killed those prophets of Baal, basically he was saying, we're getting the idolatry out. 
Will you today make the choice, if you haven't already, to say right here, right now, in Israel, He is going to be the Lord God, number one, of my heart and of my life. Let's pray.